Welcome back to Adolescence After Alderaan. I'm Caroline Guthrie. I'm Meg Fariello. We're a podcast dedicated to re-exploring, re-reading, and re-understanding the Star Wars Expanded Universe, or Star Wars Legends, if you want to be official about it. Yeah, one book at a time. One book at a time. This is These are the, the roads we walked as, as youths. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for the most part, and, and now we're retreading those roads and seeing what's changed and what's stayed the same and it, and this week we are walking through i jedi by I jedi so this is the f- i think this is the first time and correct me if i'm wrong we've been doing this for a while the first time that this is a book that neither of us have like fully read as kids yes that is correct okay because i i, I have a bookmark <laughs> in this book as i mentioned i think last week um that stopped at like maybe page 75. So, like, I had it as a kid, and I started reading it, and didn't continue, which we could talk about why maybe that was the the case. Yeah, I'm, I, like, am not baffled by that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having like, I could read. see why little Meg was like, no, thank I you. get it. <laughs> thank you very much. I get um, it. But we, and this was, at least for my, I didn't really put this together, maybe you did, but accidentally this works really well with us finishing the Jedi Academy trilogy, because most of this book <laughs> takes At place. At least half, right? It's about, I, so the back cover of this book says that it, like, describes the story and our main character's horn, Corrin Horn, and it says that he, like, gets fed up with Luke's Academy and, like, quits in frustration, and I thought that was going to happen on, like, page 200, <laughs> but no, he, like, We'll talk about it. It's more than half this book. He is at the Jedi Academy, and it's basically, like, step for step following the events of the Jedi Academy. Yeah, I knew I knew that most of it took place concurrently with Jedi okay. Academy, and I knew that it intersected with Jedi I, Academy. Yeah, I, had, I knew that a little bit. But I thought that the overlap section of the Venn diagram was going to be narrower. Yeah. <laughs> Smaller. Because a lot of this felt like just re yeah, it was, it was like weirdly, I'd say, I mean, maybe this is too broad and we should just get into it, but I, yeah. this book for me was a real strange, I don't know if balance is the right way to say it, a real strange vacillation between um, satisfying and frustrating to read. Yes. And I think a lot of, we've, as you, if you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, that we have a very hard time not texting each other while we're reading these <laughs> books. But like, our conversation this weekend was mostly like twofold. One, this guy seems too normal to be yeah, <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. And the second was the organization and sort of layout of this book is very strange. Yeah. So maybe. And I think it might be possible to do this very quickly. Just like I think we gotta lay- zoom way out. Yeah. And sort so of our, think of it in sections. Yeah, in sections. So our main character is this guy named Corin Horn, who apparently is a huge, huge, huge expanded universe character that I know nothing. About. Yeah, I've never heard of him before. But the degree to which he's overlapping with other known yeah, characters, it's, it's really and insane. This- came out, I believe, after the X-Wing series. Yes. Came and he's out a big and, part of that. And yeah. he's a big part, which Michael Stackpole at least, like, started. I don't think he wrote. Yeah. I don't know if he wrote all of them, but he, he definitely 
wrote most of them. Um, and, and apparently, because I, like, quickly glanced at, like, the Wikipedia section of, like, what books this character shows up in. He's in, like, all the new Jedi Order books. He follows into, like, whatever the series with Cadus is, the, like, Force Dark Force Legacy series. He's in, like, a lot of those. So he, like, really is a character that is up there in terms of, um, sort of well-known, documented, expanded universe characters that never showed up in any of the films. That's interesting. Um, so he's, like, almost on par with Mara Jade. And- I think so. But, like, as a as a reader now and a reader back then, I never thought of this character. No, I don't think like I ever saw or heard of Corrin, which I guess speaks to which aspects of the expanded universe we were interested in coming. Which maybe is something to talk about. But so he is an X-Wing. He was part of Rogue Squadron. Right. Um, He's originally from Corellia. He was also a, like basically a policeman Mm -hmm. detective on Corellia. Um, And he is heading home after like a Rogue Squadron. I'm not going to get any of these technical (laughs) terms. Yeah. Some kind of mission. Yeah, there's been an ongoing issue with this Imperial Warlord slash Pirate Queen. Yeah, I would say she's more of a pirate. You know, she's like, yeah, like remnants of the Empire that have now turned. Right, like like she came up through the Empire. She was someone who had Imperial rank, but she's not one of those like reform the Empire People. Yeah, she's sort of doing her own. Like her, her loyalty own thing. is not to the Empire now. And right. they've been having a real issue with her uh because it seems like they can't catch her. She always knows where they're gonna be. Like right. they can't get the drop on her. And so but it's just, you know, it's just his nine to five. Like he's Yeah. He's not like that caught up in it. It's fine. No, yeah, he's just doing his thing. He's like really excited to get home to his wife Mirax, which is yeah. Sounds like a detergent. <laughs> <laughs> a rough name. But her dad's name. name her dad's name is Booster, so Booster, like, yeah. There's a there's a lot of weird name. Um, so he gets home and Mirax is missing. She's gone. And he's he immediately goes to like his higher ups, because he's very well sort of connected to the New Republic, and he's like, What's going on? Where is she? And I forget the guy's name, but the first person he goes to is like, listen, she was like doing some sort of mission. Um, she was involved with the, the this pirate, like infiltrating this pirate smuggler thing. And they're called Invids. Yeah, the Invids. Um, and like, because of what's going on, I can't really give you any more information than that. He knows she's alive because he is a little bit force <laughs> Yeah, so he can use the force. And so he can sense through the force. That she's alive, but he's not trained in the force. No. He just, like, knows in his heart that, like, right. she's so alive, he but he has no idea where he is. Wedge Antilles. Yeah. His and old says, buddy. Like, this is what's going on. They won't tell me where she is, but, like, obviously I have to go find her. She's my wife. Like, I have to look right. for her. And Wedge says, like, well, I don't know anything, but my friend Luke is starting a Jedi Academy, so. <laughs> Recruit. <laughs> maybe you should start, talk to Luke. So they go to talk to Luke. No. <laughs> That's your first mistake. Take one. <laughs> and Luke basically says, I'm so sorry to hear your wife is missing. You should come be a, you should come to my Jedi Academy. Oh, I'm such a hard time not talking about this right now. But yeah. <laughs> and they essentially just exploit the fact that he is 
grieving and confused and convince yes. him that if he goes to the Jedi Academy, he'll acquire he'll the skills that he needs to, right, to find his wife, save his wife. Um, and and we'll so talk he, about his experience there, but ultimately yeah. he leaves at the end. Right. He of- leaves. Get this, everyone. After, so he's been there the whole time. He doesn't leave until after Luke's get out of the coma. Like, yeah. He's there the whole time. He, he witnesses all of this, is horrified by everything, yeah. and is still like, I'm hanging in. Well, he loves Tion so much. Yeah, well, we need to talk about his relationship with women, too. That's, I oh, thank God, I'm glad you noticed, because <laughs> okay. this guy I have a lot of women. Um, I, I, I'm very confused. Yeah, so he basically, and he is, I, we won't go step by step, because we just did Jedi yeah, Academy. Yeah, but he's but there for all of it. He's there for all of it, and he's pretty horrified at what's yeah, he happening, doesn't agree and he, with Luke's choices. No, and he is like the voice of us, basically. Yeah. He says a lot <laughs> like, of the exact same. He's things. the one. He goes to Leia, and he's like, "Maybe you shouldn't be leaving your kids here." He he goes to Luke after Gantoris explodes, and is like, "Hey, this seems like really a big problem." He is the voice of reason behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and we meet a couple of the other Jedi Knights that do not get mentioned. In Jedi Academy trilogy, including Brachus. Brachus is there. Shows them. <laughs> yeah, he's, him and Corin and Cam Solusar. Cam, right? Those are the three that actually like are the first ones to get to Yavin. Yeah. With and him. Cam Solusar does get mentioned in the Jedi Academy trilogy. Oh, does he? Yeah. But Corin uh, Horn and Brachus do not. Right, do not. Um, which is baffling. Yeah. <laughs> you think of like how the important a character is. Um, so yeah, so, so at, after, so he's, he's struggling with his, during this time, he's sort of struggling with his force abilities. He, he had found out not all that long ago that his grandfather that he grew up with is not actually his grandfather, that his actual grandfather was a Corellian Jedi Knight. Um, and, you know, he was killed. And so, uh, his, one of his friends ended up raising his father. And so, um, you know, he sort of has some awareness that, like, he, you know, genetically might have some force ability. Um, but his problem is that he's, like, not so good at the, like, telepathy, like, the lift in the rocks. The... Right, the telekinesis is a real weakness. Yeah, that's what I mean. The telekinesis, not telepathy. Um, he's not very good at that stuff, which is, like, basically all Luke is teaching him at this point. Yeah, and they even <laughs> say, like, oh, like, that's just, that's how it is with Corellian Jedi. Like, that's how it runs in your family. Yeah, apparently no. Yeah, but he's really good at what they term in this book, which I don't know if we've ever heard it term this way, alter mind. Yeah. Which is, like, what Obi-Wan does to the stormtroopers when he's, like, you know... These, these, do- are these aren't the droids, the droids you're looking for. Um, so he's good at, like, projection, basically. Like, making people see and Right, and things. his is not just limited to suggestion or things like right. that. He can cast, like, full-on hallucinations. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, very vivid. Um, and so, like, he's sort of... And he's also struggling with, like, light side, dark side, in a way that, like, we were. <laughs> yeah. It's weird how, it, at points in the book, not all the time, but he, like, sort of steps into, like conversations and ideas that like we have been bringing up for yeah it was almost eerie the degree to which he was directly quoting us at some points but like questioning like you know dark side light side the sort of fine line between the two idea of what it means to be redeemed from the dark side yeah which we'll have to talk about he has like a very blatant conversation with luke about like it's exactly what we talked about last week about um kip duran and like the destruction of karita this guy is Um, not okay that's actually why he leaves is that when luke after uh kip duran murders millions perhaps billions and luke says 
I'm so glad you said you were sorry. That's what's yeah. important. This guy's like, I'm out. Like, right, like this is, I don't know what you're doing. I'm out. And it really hurts Luke's feelings. Luke says, Yeah, like, Luke's feelings is hurt a lot. <laughs> Luke's is so sensitive. Luke's like, I'm really sad that you think I'm incompetent. Like, I, I can't. I'm gonna, I marked that page. I'm going to read it. Yeah, we're going to have to come back to that. There's even um, one point. I, don't, I didn't mark the page, I don't, I don't think. But, like, there's one point where... Corrin is like thinking to himself he's like I really this Jedi Academy thing is a good idea I guess but I wish I wasn't in the first batch of students yeah like, I wish they'd like, been doing this for a while yeah like I wish I was the guinea pig like I wish like, he'd gotten his, his teaching style he doesn't seem right? like he knows what he's doing at all yeah yeah he's yeah yeah it's crazy so, so yeah anyway, so he decides he leaves, to leave he's like this yeah. doesn't work and he goes and visits his uh step-grandfather who yeah. to him is 100% his grandfather right yeah on Corellia he runs into Mirax's father. Yeah, Booster. Who's a pirate? Question I guess. Mark? Yeah, he's like a he's a smuggler Ish of some kind. Yeah. Guy. And uh so anyway, they're like, we need to find Mirax, Mirax and yeah. uh Corin decides that the best way to do that is to fall back on his police training and essentially right. go undercover with the invids that he knows mm-hmm. that this invid lady who they were tracking is the one who has imprisoned they think they say she's like in stasis that's yeah. something so like she's in uh being kept in a coma somewhere yeah basically like asleep somewhere yeah yeah she's uh-huh. just a sleeping beauty in a tower yeah, yeah in a tower basically literally, literally. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh so he infiltrates one of the pirate crews that is yeah. like, contracted by <sighs> yes i think yeah and he basically he like r- very uh, quickly or slowly i don't really know how time works in this book like rises in the ranks of this crew right where he's, he's like training them using sort of his like rogue squadron x-wing training skills. and so like on the there's like a planet where they all stay and wait right. for Ta- what's her name? Tavrik or something like that? Admiral pa- Tavrik. Admiral, yeah, let's ta- Tavira. Admiral Tavira. Yeah, um, so she hides somewhere secret, and then she'll right. call and be like, "Okay, I want these teams to come and do some pirate stuff with me." Right. And so the team that he ends up joining is the Survivors. Yes, they're called the survivors, yeah. And, but there's also, like, the laser blasters and the... Yeah. <laughs> the laser the lords solar babies. and the... Like, yeah, yeah. The bolt blasts. And, like, yeah. It's kind of... Yeah, it's like... In, it's like, kind of like summer camp where, you know... You yeah, have, you have, you have, like, different colored teams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the red team and the blue team. Yeah, so he, he joins this team. He, like, immediately becomes, like, a very integral part and, like, the leader of this team yeah group he moves up pretty quickly and she sort of takes notice of him we gotta talk about admiral tavira's characterization just yes in general in general but she's also like very attracted to him it seems like everyone's really attracted to yeah and sort of like a a plot point yeah he's brought up a lot how what a cutie pie yeah he's like super hot and so she's kind of taking an interest in him he realizes when he goes to meet with her that, like, her second in commands is it? Are, like, force sensitive. She's, like, hired force sensitive. There's people. definitely somebody force sensitive in the area. 
Yeah. Who can detect an incoming threat, and that's how she's been as successful. Right. He uses his own force abilities in some kind of, like, maneuver attack thing, and because there's someone else out there who's also force-sensitive, she's, like, now aware that there's, like, a... She thinks there's basically a Jedi who sort of infiltrated their ranks, and he's like, no... And then, and then she's like, in a month, I'm going to make you my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, that. At first, he's like, sure. Yeah, he's like, that sounds like a great way to find my wife. Yeah, I'll just seduce this lady. And it'll be super fun when I do it. Like, yeah. we have to talk about him and like, his relationships with women. Okay. But he, um, kinda, he snaps out of it. And when he's on, they're attacking a planet. Of these very peaceful aliens, the Kamisi, right. and mm-hmm. this guy is gonna kill a Kamisi who was trying to defend his daughter, and so like mm-hmm. Corin Horn just beats the ever loving hell, right, Helen back okay. out of that guy, and the guy's like, "Well, okay, so now I have to be your servant," and Corin yeah. Horn's like, "No," and the guy's like, "No, I'll I'll, I'll be your servant," and Corin's like, yeah. "Okay." Seems to happen a lot in Star Wars. Yeah, which is good for Corn because without him, Corn would be lost. Yeah, he'd be he'd be dead. Yeah. So the Kamisi are like a sort of force sensitive race that's kind of been around for a while. They're very um, peaceful. They're super peaceful. A lot of them um, were killed when Alderaan blew up. Yeah, and they have the ability to what is their ability <laughs> to make you feel so memories? They can. They can. <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay, so they're for for them like big memories. Memories right. of really impactful events are more kind of like tangible than yes. they are typically, and they can share memories between right. Okay, each yeah. other. So right. you can actually feel it's sort of like a Vulcan mind meld. Yeah, that's how I, how I, I thought think. about it. Like, kind of and yeah. usually they can only share it amongst each other and, like, people you're close to. So you can't do it with a right. stranger, but, you know, you can pass your memories on to your kids or, like, right, whatever. Right. And with a Jedi that you're friendly with, even if he's not of your species, you can pass a memory. Right. And so this guy has inherited memories of Corrin Horn's Jedi grandfather. Right, right. So yeah. he's like, I, I know you. Your grandfather was a Jedi. <laughs> and let's yeah. build a lightsaber and stuff so then they (laughs) perform an elaborate series of jedi pranks to try to scare all the pirates away from their lives of crime and it's real dumb (laughs) it's exactly like muppet treasure island (laughs) because they even say like oh pirates and space pilots are very superstitious yeah (laughs) Sam the Eagle going, spooky, spooky. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what Corrin does, is he just, like, goes around the, for He a has, like, weeks. a cloak, and he, like, is, like, both being his uh, pseudonym that he's using, which is Genus India, or Indanian, which is the same pseudonym that Han Solo used. Yeah. Um, they basically, like, take over that. Like, because they think that he's, like, disappeared. They use that, uh, that alias. But he, so he's, like, him, and then also, like, every night, like, goes around as, like, Jedi ghost. And, um, and it's also, I think, to sort of, like, make people, like, sort of throw people off the scent of him. Right. So he's pretending to be, like, drunk all the time. Right. 
Oh, it's real shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. And so he does This goes that. on for a long time. It goes on a be- for an abusive amount of time. And then one night, Luke shows up. I don't know. I mean, again, or not again, maybe I haven't said it on the podcast yet, but like, I was a little checked out. This is a 600 page book. At this people. point, by the time Luke showed up, either. I was like, Either things weren't making sense or I wasn't paying attention because... Yeah. I don't know why he shows up. Like, I, like, I couldn't what are tell you. you doing here? But he shows up and he's like, I'm here to help. And we're like, really? <laughs> so... And um, some other... And so and then also the Force users who have been helping Admiral Tavira show up at the same time. Yeah. And so the, him and... Um, and they have... And it's like, oh, hey, I have this lizard that turns off the Force. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> turn off the force on those people. Yeah. And question them and find out where they're keeping Mirax. Right. And then they go so charging they, off to save Mirax. Right. And it is basically like a damsel in distress in a tower who's they're, yeah, they're they, literally like she's up in the tower. Yeah. In a coma and Corin kisses her to wake her up. And she wakes up. And she wakes up and she's like super sassy and like Luke just is in love with her immediately. Luke, Luke real I think three times in two pages is like me. Yeah, I it's really like, like I your love wife. your wife. <laughs> yeah, your wife's like super great. And so they they manage to escape. Um and they scare off Tavira with a big like force illusion. Yeah, and they go home and Luke's like, You're a Jedi now. Yeah. Which but is please, basically and Luke's like, I don't want you to come back to the academy. And Corin's like, I don't want to come back to the academy. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess like Corin learns that like both, you know, his sort of background is this like police detective. His background is like an X-wing fighter, and like his Jedi heritage. Like it can all work together, and it doesn't have to be like. Yeah, it's the same lesson Tunnel Ka learned in lightsabers. It just takes yeah. you know ten times as long <laughs> for a grown man to learn the same things an adolescent girl needed to. Yeah, and like a lot more things going on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so that's that's his uh his story. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like this was like three different books. Yeah. Smashed together. Well, and I like place. some of them better than others. Yeah, I think a, I think a good place to start is how this book was organized, and maybe just even logistically, we don't know because we can't interview these authors. Although it would be great if we could, but like yeah. how this worked because it seems crazy to me, even in an expanded universe where oftentimes you're pulling from like different stories that people have written, but to have like another story where you're having another story happening congruently to the Jedi Academy trilogy and pulling literally like word for word things that are happening I for like a like good 300 pages seems to me sketchy. I feel like Michael Stackpole just read the Jedi Academy trilogy and was like, whoa, this is crazy. And just put in another guy who's just yeah. slightly off camera for that right. whole book or- to comment on it. Right. Or to like, because I, I think going into this book, I was, my impression was that he was someone who was at the Jedi Academy, but for the most part, like we were going to stick with sort of him and his experience. And it wasn't, it was going to, like you said at the beginning, like it was going to sort of intersect and maybe like certain events were going to play out that he experienced that we read about in Jedi Academy. But 
the entire time that he's at the Jedi Academy, which is most of this book, it is beat for beat. Like, you know, they get to the Jedi Academy, like, you know, Gentorus starts to go a little crazy. Like, it is literally walking down that same path. No, and I mean, like, I don't know how much, like, you've delved into the world of internet fan fiction of various things, but it is very much. much. (laughs) I mean, like, my knowledge is cursory, but it definitely exists. But this is very much like a fan fiction kind of move where, you know, you love, you know, Harry Potter, which God knows we both do. And so then you make up your Harry Potter character, which I'm not important here. (laughs) (laughs) It's another podcast. <laughs> and this is the part I didn't do. You then like sit down and rewrite the whole Harry Potter novel chapter for chapter, but just right, like with, you, right. with your, your character there. Right. And so like your character's right. just slightly off screen. So the chapter in Harry Potter ends and then like your character comes into the common room and is like, hey, right. here's what we need to talk about. Like this is what'll happen. And Turns out, without you, like, Harry never would have defeated Voldemort. Right. And right. that's exactly yeah. what this is. <laughs> this is. Yeah, and I'm trying to think, and, like, clearly, because he thanks Kevin J. Anderson in the beginning, and he says in the acknowledgments that, like, half of this book <laughs> comes from him. He says, Kevin and J. Anderson for having provided the background for half this book. And, and so, like, maybe Kevin J. Anderson was like, let him read it before it came out, or was sharing notes. Maybe. I mean, this is a little bit later, because this is 98 that this first gets published, and I think Jedi Academy is like 95. Yeah, so he must have just read it when it came out. Maybe Kevin J. Anderson gave him his blessing. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he did. Like, I, this, you know, these are all sort of sanctioned by Lucasfilm. Like, I, they're, it, I'm sure it's fine. But to me, and I'm trying to think of all the expanded universe books and even the ones that we haven't read yet on the podcast. And I can't think of one that just like concurrently happens at the same time as other events. Like, there are things that happen that get mentioned that other authors have written about or that sort of intersect, right? Like sort of events. But I, as far as I can recall, this is the only one that literally draws on like a same exact overall plot of another. Yeah. And I mean, it book. is beat for beat. And it is just that like this guy is so important, but right. he's just, just off page. Right. So, right. Like, he's literally like you would have turned the camera. If you had just, <laughs> if you had just shot this thing in widescreen instead of right, full yeah. screen. Yeah, it's like when you watch Friends on Netflix and now you can see, like, the stand-in actors off camera. Like, that's Cornhorn. Yep. Like, he is just right off camera. And he's so important. Like, the he has way so he's... many, like, heart-to-hearts with Luke about, like, everything that's going on. Yeah, like, you know, it makes me think that, you know, Luke of Jedi Academy Trilogy would have been ten times worse if Corn <laughs> wasn't Horn there. Just, like, to tell him to calm down, <laughs> to be like, let's think this through. Um, so, yeah, so it is a sort of, like, three-part, you know, like, two-and-a-half part. So it's, like, the beginning of him sort of learning about him um, and who he is and sort of his, like, goals and dreams and his background or whatever. And then that lasts for, like, maybe 100 pages, maybe not quite that much. Right. And then it's, like, 300 pages of Jedi Academy, which we plot-wise know exactly what's happening there. It's yeah. really all character, right? It is no plot because we know exactly where this is going. So it's just like us sort of learning about him and his opinions. And then the back half of the book is like him deciding to infiltrate, right? Into sort of like a undercover. Right. But um, I mean, you could totally just go from the first hundred pages to the back half. You don't get yes. anything from his time yes. at the Jedi Academy. Or, you know, 
I think it would be interesting, and it would be just as long a book as one of the Jedi Academy books. I think we tend to just rewrite the book, but I do think it's that I think at this point it's just one of the segments. <laughs> one of the we rewrite books, but I do think what you could do is have the the first half, the back half, and then maybe do like vignettes of like moments that, or have him as he's infiltrating the invids like have memories flashbacks to like moments he had with luke or like oh my god again taurus is a blew up like the sort of shocking things that happened instead of like i mean it felt like as i was reading it that like i was actually like week for week going through the like no this the book jedi was actually way more detailed about day-to-day life at the jedi Academy yes than anything in the jedi Academy right. trilogy we got like Cornhorn went for his daily morning run 16, 20 times. Like, yeah. in real yeah, time we on the page. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Mara Jade. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mara Jade. And this is, uh, you know, this was my favorite so far this was a really interpretation of Mara, Mara Jade. Jade. I really liked it. And she was, like, very clear about, like, Lando's such a, you know, jerk. Yeah, she jerk. was <laughs> not feeling Lando at all. Yeah. Um yeah, she was great, and she she and uh, Corin make friends, and you know you sort of get a better sense, at least for me, in this book of like, oh, she and Luke kind of have like a weird thing going on, like, yeah. like it's a little bit more clear that you know it's not really a flirtation, <laughs> some kind of weird like, there's know, something. I love you, but I'm not gonna talk about it. Thing going on, bit of a uh, first season of Miss Fisher's murder mystery. Yes, yes. <laughs> like yeah, we're just we're working together and. Clearly, there's a huge amount of chemistry, but, yeah, we're, just, but we're just like, no one's going to mention it. We're, we're not going to mention it till three seasons later. <laughs> but, like, it made it clear, you know, because so far, and we, you know, having spent time in the Expanded Universe as kids, like, we know that Marjay and Luke end up together, but very unclear up until this point, like, why? This book why? also sort of references a l- various romantic relationships. That are yes. in conflict with what we see in Jedi Academy. Yes. Because there's one guy in Rogue Squadron who is named Tycho, not related to Tycho Thule, just yes. a different Tycho. Yeah, a different Tycho. Who yeah. says, like, oh, man, I can't wait for Winter to get back. Like, my girlfriend yeah. Winter to get back from the Jedi kids. And it's like, Admiral Akbar is going to see her every weekend. <laughs> yeah, he really likes her. I mean, maybe, we didn't really see this, but maybe Winter had to, like, sit Admiral Akbar down and be like, hey, listen, I actually have a boyfriend. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Best friend, but right, and but like you know, and you can always come and visit the baby. Like, there's like a a, a woman so. who has like an, a long term ongoing thing with Wedge. Yeah, and so and, and but he Wedge does shows up with Quizooks. Uh, Corin is Corn, basically yeah. just like, well, this is just a flirtation that's happening because you're with her. Like it's not going to last, right? Yeah, you're not really. Yeah, like love. yeah, romantic relationships. Maybe that's a good time to segue into like talking about. Well, maybe we should start. Maybe we should start with like Cornhorn as a character. Okay, what kind of a guy is Cornhorn? He's like an aggressively normal kind of guy. He's so. The first notes I wrote was like he seems reasonable. <laughs> There's an episode of IT Crowd where one of the main characters, Jen, she always has like trouble meeting men, and she meets the guy who seems like very nice, and they her friends tell her, you bagged a normal. Like that's how I felt. Like like we got a normal here. <laughs> just straight normal like he like the whole first section when he is like leaving his squadron to go home to see Mirax he's internally thinking about Mirax has like brought up the subject of having kids and he's like I don't know like you know the universe is sort of in oh you know it's starting to get better but like still in a bit of turmoil and like should we bring kids like he's just like 
yeah. thinking normal human thoughts about like reasonable. Yeah, they're talking about like how <laughs> she says like, no, it would be okay. Like I actually make way more money than you do, so like you could stay yeah. with the kids for a while. Yeah, like so like thoughtful. And yeah, <laughs> and like you know talking like who bought what piece of furniture and yeah, and like how, you know how much he loves his wife and you know it's he taught he, he was watching like the, I forget what they call it like the media. The whole like, internet? Yeah, and, like, Jason and Jana, they show, like, pictures. So, apparently, like, people know who those kids are. Yeah, so she also managed to flick on the HoloNet monitors when some event featuring news about Leia Organa Solo's three-year-old twins was being shown. The children were frighteningly cute, and their very existence had been blamed for a baby binge in the New Republic. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> They're so cute that people are having kids. <laughs> They've got, like, it's like a royal baby kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all naming their kids, Jane and Jason. Yeah, and even you know, the fact that he and Mirax have like a healthy sex life is yeah. like an offhanded way. So it's not just like nuzzling brows. And yeah, <laughs> like kissing kisses. tenderly. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's like it's kind of a, a, a different approach to to romantic relationships in this book. You know, and, and we've talked about this when we did a sort of recap, but he's also very reasonable in terms of like Telling Luke, like, this is a terrible idea. Yeah, you're <laughs> or, some really bad choices here. He just has, uh, you know, he sees things and says, like, exactly what we were saying throughout all yeah, of Jedi Academy he, trilogy. And he, in his, in his interactions with Han and with Leia and with Luke, yeah. he has that, but he's, it's almost a problem for the book how normal yes. he is. I would say so. Because he is so much more clear-eyed than, yeah, than anyone else. <laughs> everyone else that it's like he was it, he doesn't fit he like disrupts the the flow it's like he disrupts my suspicion yes. of disbelief because if he can see how crazy everything at the jedi academy was as well as we can like why can't he make anyone else see it yes i mean i texted you this weekend that i hate luke which is true <laughs> but like he renders luke like just completely incompetent yeah. Because you could sort of, and not that Luke's still crazy incompetent in the Jedi Academy trilogy, but like nobody is there in Jedi Academy trilogy saying, like, Luke, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, right. But, but now, now you have book, someone. It turns out that there is someone who was Right, who's Luke saying it. At every step of the way. I'm looking because I definitely. Yeah, I marked it. It's marked um, it. 294. It says Luke, this is like him and Luke having a heart to heart after Luke comes out of the coma. Luke looked ashen-faced, then glanced away from me. I don't think you are weak or stupid. I think you will make a fine Jedi Knight. Okay. He hesitated for a moment, then plunged on. I am concerned, though, that you think I'm an incompetent idiot. You don't like how I run the Academy, my choices concerning other students, and my view of the way the universe works. And Cornhorn says, no. I just don't think those things work for me. <laughs> He's, like, literally just saying to Luke, like, no. You are an incompetent idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, I mean, yeah, earlier on... Cornhorn just off screen when Yantoris attacks right. Luke. Yep. Everybody mm-hmm. leaves and then Corn comes on screen because that's yeah. how fan fiction works. He asks Luke, Luke, he says, uh, what are you going to do? Luke says, do? This is, this is done already. My jaw dropped open. Unless I miss something, one of your apprentices found or somehow constructed a lightsaber and just tried to kill you with it. You don't see that as cause for alarm? And Luke says, how can it surprise you that Gantoris has found a way to fashion a lightsaber? You and Cam yeah. already possess one. We've talked about Gantoris's competition with you. I held my hands up. That may be an issue, but not the core one. As I yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like 
snapping back at Luke and he, Luke says, uh, he, Gantorch is very good and one of the best students here. He just needs guidance. And Cornhorn immediately says, then give it to him. Yeah. Right. He's, he's us. He's us screaming at Luke. Like it's as if, you know, all through Jedi Academy, like, we were there physically screaming at Luke, like, what are you doing? And, but then it makes Luke just inexcusable. Yes. Cornhorn was there the whole time saying, like, there's an Exarchune ghost here. And Luke was like, I don't think that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's crazy talk. <laughs> and they go through this whole thing where Cornhorn's like, there's an Exarchune ghost here. And Luke says, if there's an Exarchune ghost here, maybe we can redeem him. Maybe yeah, we can- Luke wants to redeem Maybe we can bring Exarchune back from the dark side. And this also goes into a question I had in one of our very first episodes of the podcast where, um, oh, because in Shadow Academy, Jaina Mm -hmm. has this reflection on how Anakin Skywalker actually turned out to be like a good man at the end of his life. Right, 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 right. And Luke here puts out that and he like flat out says like, I know everyone was like really scared of Darth Vader and thinks badly of him, but like he was a good man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Cornhorn's like, I, I, I can't. disagree. <laughs> Another part of their conflict is that Luke really seems to think that evil just sort of like sneaks up on you and gets you. And like, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like a ghost. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It sneaks evil, around and then. An evil ghost will just sneak up on you and get you. And yeah. Cornhorn is saying, you know, that's not true. And he really gets out of Lu- after, after Luke. Um, yeah. How come he should? Yeah, he says, compa- Luke says, compassion is a Jedi's strength in explaining why he just wants to take Kip back without any to do. And he yeah. says, and how compassionate is it to the friends and relatives of, Kip, of Kip's yeah. victims to see him free and exalted? It, and this book also talks a lot about, like, the horror and gruesomeness of Kip blowing up Karita. Yeah. Like there's there's talk of like vaporized babies multiple times. Yeah, it, it really grapples with that event in a way that Jedi Academy just does not. Luke says like you don't know anything about the dark side. You don't know anything yeah. about the temptations of the dark side. And Corrin right, and Horn like, no, says I, <laughs> I know a lot about the dark side and I don't have anything to fear from it. And Luke yeah. says, then you're as good as lost to it if you don't fear the temptation right, of the, the dark, dark side. side yeah. And Cornhorn goes off on this huge yeah. monologue where he says, um, I've been eyeball to eyeball with the dark side more than you will ever know. You stand back and see good and evil on a grand and cosmic scale. But right. I've been right down there, right at the point where light meets dark. I know that border intimately. And while I've towed the Terminator line, I've not strayed as much as a micron over it. I've been called out to a domestic disturbance and walked into an apartment where the woman of the house is lying there on the floor in a pool of blood and vomit. Her nose has been pulverized. Her eyes have been blacked and are swollen shut. Her throat has bruises that show a hand and fingers and fading bruises cover the rest of her body. Standing over her are two teary-eyed toddlers the age of your niece and nephew. And lying there on the couch a room away is her glip-biting husband, his fists still raw and bloody from beating, his clothes spattered with her blood. His snores are enough to cover her sobs. I've seen that and had every fiber of my being wanting t- me to give that animal the rudest wake up he's ever had. But I didn't. I pulled back. And he just like goes on and on with that. Yeah. And basically says like, you care more about people who do horrible things and horrible then things. say sorry right. than you right. care and- about people who like know who they are and stand by their principles the right. whole way through, which is a stinging and I think incredibly insightful indictment of Luke. Yes, yes. But also, like, 
out of place here. Yes, um, because that is like what we're doing on the podcast. <laughs> like, like, that's our thing, first of all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Step back, Hornhorn. <laughs> back off. <laughs> yeah. But also just like, and I mean, this book has a lot of really great sort of moments of character reflection. Yes. Like that, but they don't fit Be- into yeah. a story. Right. And I think, you know, I think this can- it's not that this cannot be done. And it's not that I don't agree. But the sort of taking down of Luke, cha- like, it just, it it changes everything that the expanded universe is. Like, yeah. it, it just completely negates everything that happens in Jedi Academy with Luke, right? And, like, the Luke in this book, to me, is sort of, um, in a way that, like, the Jedi Academy Luke is just, like, oblivious and, like, <laughs> an idiot. This one is, like, sad and, like... Someone who seems to have no idea what's going on, and like he knows he doesn't know what's going on, but he just like can't help. No, like this to, like, is really move. lost and like willfully yeah. blind. Like he's choosing yes. not to see the more complex, layered, and difficult yeah. things. It made me really like because it's often mentioned that Cornhorn is the same age as like Luke and Leia. Um, so I guess he's probably you know in his late twenties, early thirties at, yeah. at this point. Um, but like he, Luke seemed like such a child. Like he just seemed so yeah. like immature and and mopey and no, he like seemed he seemed the same as in A New Hope. It was like yes, there was like no whiny, for him, but no hope. Like there was no sort of like dreams of anything, right? That he's just and we he's just and like, I mean, like we joked when we talked about the Jedi Academy books about how many students Luke lost in his first couple months. Yeah, the but they Academy. literally talk about and it. They literally like run the numbers. They're like, okay, you've had fifteen students, three right. two fell to the dark side, one left. Now I'm quitting. So you've got eleven out of fifteen. That's still not bad for your first. Play. It was like. No, it's terrible. It's really terrible. Bad. Yeah, like, and it is. It is so strange to just read Jedi Academy trilogy and to literally have this book be like Luke's t- horrible. But I mean, it, but it's also not just Luke. It's everyone at the Jedi everyone. Academy. Like, Corrin is right. You know, smarter than Seagal, and they're right. like, well, you know, Seagal's friends with Leia, so they're basically putting her in charge. Yeah, and you know, Corrin's going off and doing a secret mission to fight Exarchoon. And that's what right. really makes it was all like Corrin Horn's idea how they right. defeat Exarchoon. It gets that's like for me, I think what made it into that fan fiction feeling because yeah. that's a real problem with fan fiction is like overvaluing your characters. Right. Um, yeah, and yeah, he, he gets very overvalued in a lot of different ways. Um and yet, like you know, it, that's not to say that he's like not a voice of reason. He is, but he, yeah, it's just like his presence just it's not adding, you know, and we talked so much about when we read Han Solo trilogy about like that story not necessarily changing anything or drastically shifting anything, but it like adds so much, right, to that right. world. And 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 Java's Palace too, right? That it's this like you know, it's not, you know, going in and like rewiring everything. It's yeah. actually just like making the story feel bigger. And this was trying so hard to do that and I think failed. I feel like all it did was make everyone who was a character that we already knew like kind of pathetic. Yeah, right. But yeah, pathetic is a good word, right? That like you look at these characters and you're like, even the ones in Jedi Academy trilogy who sort of came out okay <laughs> did not come out okay. Not in this here. Book. You yeah. Know, um 
But also, I want to, you know, I keep calling him reasonable, but I also think he's a little bit of an idiot for staying so long at that dinner. Or not just going to look for his wife. Okay, like, like that's another thing, is his strategy of looking for his wife is sort of like Odysseus' strategy for getting home yeah. in the <laughs> Odyssey. We're like, yeah. you say that's what you're doing, and it's kind of on your mind, but like, it doesn't right. seem like you're in a hurry. Yeah, when you're in like a pickle, you're thinking about like, oh, I should really get home to Penelope, but like, you're not <laughs> doing it. Like, yeah, and so. Because he spends, we get it 10 weeks from the time Mirax yes. goes missing to when he leaves the Jedi Academy, which also means that we know the entire Jedi Academy trilogy takes place over 10 weeks, which is bananas. Like, it is 10 yeah. weeks. Two and a half months from the time yeah. that Han Solo leaves for Kessel to the time right. that Kip Duran is redeemed for blowing yeah. up all the people. Like, that is insane. I feel like I can't even think about that. Like, like all of the, <laughs> the, the skiing vacations, the trips to the arcade, Mon Moth yeah. dying of poison, <laughs> like... The Jada, blob racing. Re- yeah. reading into their parents' lives, the trips yeah, to the it's all, like, all of that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and the I just it seemed like a lot of hoops were being jumped through to get him to the Jedi Academy trilogy. And when, like, I feel why like it can't... was a real miss? And also, if you you could, why have him there for the whole Jedi Academy trilogy? Why have him be right? I thought I didn't understand at all. Why? Like, the why does he need to be there for Gantoris? You know, like he doesn't. Yeah, he I mean, he doesn't need to stay at the same time as Kip. You know, right. like, you want to parallel those stories because I do think that his objections to the yes, way Kip's story is treated are like worth hearing. But right, we don't need very him interesting, yeah. to be, and it's like, of course, he's the reason that Gantoris is so, you know, like Gantoris feels so insecure with how awesome Cornhorn is, and that's why. I know. Like, ugh, yeah, yeah. Or you know, he's at the Jedi Academy trilogy because he's like just found out this history. With his family, and then he finds out that Mirax is missing, and Lou keeps telling him, "No, no, no! You should stay! You should stay! You should stay!" And then he leaves. Like, yeah, the the jump from him finding out his wife's missing to to get to the Jedi Academy. I almost said the Jedi Academy trilogy, which I guess is partially true. The Academy just seems like if I, he seemed like such a normal person and very reasonable, I would think he'd just be like, "This is a waste of time." Like, yeah, I'm but go I find mean, my I, wife. I I just rationalize that as him being in distress. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's maybe true. Um, yeah. But then he so then he leaves that book which like he spent he yeah. did a whole book there. Right. A whole <laughs> and I mean the thing is it was not I don't want to give the impression that it was totally like not engaging or anything. No, yeah. It, it, there were parts of it that were very interesting. A lot it's of those weird. kind of like conversations that he had with yeah. Luke like I was interested in and I thought that uh, his stuff with Mara Jade was really yeah. interesting, and I got to see sort of other sides of her in ways that yeah. I I thought were good. I loved the part. So there's we don't have to go into it too much, but there's one part where he goes to Exarchune's temple to try to confront Exarchune, yeah. and Exarchune is like sort of using the force to beat up on him. And showing him like visions of loved ones, like yeah. yelling at him, yeah, yeah, and making him really thing. sad. And it, he's on the verge of getting his ass kicked. Basically, he's gonna lose. And then Mara Jade just like comes striding in and is just like, "Yeah, this is pitiful." 
Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, you think she's this, awesome in this book. And she's yeah. just like, this is, you, this is what you've got. Like, Darth right. Vader would have thought that you were just like a cute antique. The Emperor yeah. would have thought you were pathetic because you notice how you got defeated and you're dead. Like, no one of, right. none of us would have respected yeah. you. You're not a big scary ghost. Like, Corin, get your ass up. Like, this right. is. This guy's a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> we're leaving. She just, no, yeah. she just like Regina George's her way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes me i was so worried after the end of jedi academy trilogy and after reading her tale in jabba's palace stories that like oh maybe marjada like wasn't as cool as like i remembered her being um but after this book i'm like okay like yeah she's great and there's like one part when they first i think it's when she first shows up or maybe it's later when they're oh it's when they're on booster's cruise ship yeah and she shows up and she's like wearing lando's clothes because she's like yeah "Yeah, lando tried to manipulate things so that i would have to wear these sexy outfits so i just like yeah he's got really nice clothes like yeah he's got good taste in fabric the cut's not my i I prefer like wider shoulders but it's fine yeah but like whatever yeah she's wearing one of his capes and everything she's awesome yeah, so, I mean, maybe this is a good point to talk about Corin's relationship with women. women. We're just... We're, we're both making faces. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, a read on podcasts. It's just, like, <laughs> mouth drawn back, eyebrows raised. Like, what's going yeah. on here? Because, okay. Corin is only friends with women. Basically. He's only friends with women. He's, yeah. But he He's also, attracted like, to all of them. Yeah. Including he the like, one who I think is a werewolf? Question mark? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's a werewolf. I think she's the same species as that werewolf hot guy. Rock. And, um, yeah, hot rock. Um, An albino werewolf who has to wear sunglasses everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> he's friends with a lot of women. He has, like, a partner that shows up in the beginning of the book. Yala? Yeah. Yala? Um, he was his, like, cop partner on Cor- on Corona. Yeah. One of his cop partners. Um... He he becomes very good friends with Tion. Yeah. But he's often, because this is all told, I don't know if we mentioned this beginning, this is all told from first person right. perspective. So we get a lot of him in his head. He talks a lot about how attractive these, all these women, women are. are. There's like a weird, as I was reading this book, I felt like a weird tension between like how much he loves his wife and he's like super into his wife and like they're great and they have this great relationship and how sort of like into other women he was. Like, we're supposed to think he's, like, a really good husband, and he's very devoted, but we're also supposed to think, like, he's super attractive, and he's got a libido, and, like, yeah. <laughs> like there's, a, like, a weird sort of, like, push and pull between those two. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of these women that he is friendly with are sort of, like, on the face of it, very self-sufficient, tough, yeah. you know, powerful female characters, but they still somehow all need his help. Yes, he he loves the damsel in distress. Right, like he, he he loves the damsel in distress, and so are these women actually like strong women characters? Are they being treated seriously, or are they just being presented like they're strong so that when Corin is strong for them, yeah, super strong? Like if he's still the the toughest one, like there's no woman who's not vulnerable and open to Corin. right to him. Yeah, and I, I, I think we're we mentioned this earlier that he's supposed to be very attractive. Like, yeah, it is supposed to be like everyone looks at him as like, who's that cutie? Like, he's super good looking. Yeah, well, definitely one of the three books is I think an erotic novel. Like that they don't yes. ever quite get around to delving into completely. Yeah, but this characterization of 
Admiral Oh Tavira. man, her name, Tavira. Her name does not stick in my head, Tavira. Yeah, so she's super into him. And she is smoking hot. Like, yeah. they and he, about yeah. how and incredibly he, hot she is from and the he's very like, beginning. so into it. Like, he... Yeah. And it's, like, a really intense, like, S&M thing. Yeah, and he, there's one going on. point, so he, so she, like, tries to seduce him and she kisses him, and he's, like, the only reason I'm not, like, kissing her back is because my hand hurts. Like, he, like, was in Yeah, he's like, I would have pushed her off of me, but my hand is hurt, so I kissed her. Yeah, and then he's like, no, actually, if, if my hand wasn't hurting, I would have, like, pulled her in. Like, I would have kissed her closer. And then he's, like, he's, like, trying to think of, like, well, if I seduce her, like, maybe... She'll tell me where Mirax is or I can get information. And then he's like, no. But she is like a dominatrixy kind of fantasy. Like the first time yes. he sees her face to face, she's like going up and down the lines of people, like carrying a riding crop. Yeah, she's like a whip thing. Yeah. Yeah. And she'll do, and it's like very like hot and cold. Like, yeah, she like slaps him a couple of times. But there's yeah, one she- point where he thinks like, you know, I'm not going to sleep with her because like, I'm a good husband, and, like, I don't want to do that to my mind. But if I slept with her, it would have been amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, like, thinks that in his head. Yeah, and, like, it, when she's like, okay, it, in a month, you're going to become my consort. Like, right. get all – then, like, people are – he, like, talks to someone, and she's like, oh, yeah, you better start, like, resting up and yeah. working on your cardio <laughs> and endurance and yeah. stuff. Like – yeah. A lot of weird little comments. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's, it's a really interesting side plot that sort of leads I mean, to the end of this book. So, I mean, there's that. Yeah. There's his relationship with Tion, who... Yeah. <laughs> man, Tion, after Poor Jedi Academy Tion. and this... I mean, he... There were points in their relationship as I was reading through that section that I thought, like, oh, they're gonna end up together. <laughs> like, yeah. The way that it was written, you know, me. Well, he's it, just like constantly snuggling her. Yeah, like giving her hugs and like holding her close like, and like staying up late together. And yeah, and he does her. talk about how attractive she is and like he basically co-wrote her historical ballad. Yeah, yeah, because she can't have anything. <laughs> no, no, doesn't. If Corn Horn's around, you're not getting it. <laughs> no, Corn Horn did it all. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Corn Horn is the Gilderoy Lockhart. Story. <laughs> I'll help you write this ballad. Um, like, put my name on everything. I yeah. did it all. I killed XR Kuhn. I saved everyone. <laughs> she is just pathetic. Pathetic and helpless yeah. without him. Yeah, he, he does sort of have a, like, knight in shining armor kind of quality to him that I found. I found a lot of, you know, we talked about sort of his, like, reasoning and his, his sort of stance on things that Luke was doing and decisions made. Like, I sort of agree with a lot of that. But, like, his relationships with women I found very, like, strange. Yeah, I went on a journey with that because initially I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, yeah. his wife makes more, more money than him. Yeah, he, like, seems he's, really, like, yeah. fine with that. His partner on the police force was a woman and, you know, they're still good friends. And Yeah, Okay, now great. he's at the Jedi Academy and he's snuggling Tion a lot, but yeah. okay, fine. <laughs> I guess and that's so how they're friends time, that he was uh, gallantly standing up for the werewolf girl who was getting her feelings hurt yeah. in the bar and all this. I was just like, it was making me a little queasy. 
Because I think the book wants you to think he's just, like, a sweetheart who loves women in every way possible. Like, just... Right. He's so trustworthy. But I feel like Corin Horn is the kind of guy who would call you my lady. Yeah. <laughs> and like... <laughs> like, yeah. if you went out, out to eat with Corin Horn and he got to the booth at TGI Fridays before you, he'd be like, my lady. <laughs> Yeah. Sit down and just like, uh, it's gonna be one of those. Yeah, yeah, just like overcompensating for how attractive he actually finds you. Or it's like, right, like, like he's objecting, <laughs> he's objectifying you so much in right. his head <laughs> that he has to like, that he can't actually engage with you as like a person. He has right. to like protect you from all yeah. the objectifying. And then, right, so find out what your weaknesses are, what's making you cry inside, and he'll snuggle it right at you. Yeah, like, he just, like, wa- well, he wants to, like, press the button so that he can then take care of you, right? Like, right, he, he needs to take to care better. of somebody. Yeah. He wants you to need him. Yeah. Oh, man. We got, we got Cornhorn's number. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, it's just, like, all just a little condescending. You know, yeah, and... Like, the, the guy who... All his friends are girls, and he's like, oh, these are, like, my sisters. You yeah. Know, come up with, like, weird condescending nickname, like, Lil' Bit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because also... Lil' Bit. Also... <laughs> I had a friend who did that. I assume he's not listening. <laughs> um, the other thing is that, like, on... And I don't think we mentioned this, but it's not important plot-wise. That he he is using his grandfather's name when he's on... Uh, at the Jedi Academy because I don't know why he like doesn't want people to know Luke says like you're so famous and important and amazing it would distract <sighs> so people but whatever we're there so no one actually knows who he is if I was Tion and we were having this like great relationship and he was like really supportive and helping me with my ballads and whatever and I found out he was married <laughs> I'm upset <laughs> yeah no I mean it's a real it, it, he's not acting married. Of course, he's also not acting married because his wife is missing, kidnapped in a right. coma somewhere. And he's right. Like, and he's, yeah. and he's just like, oh, Tion, my angel of the academy. Right. <laughs> just touch my cheek. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, those scenes were very weird. <laughs> it was all so strange. But then I also got, I mean, Tion was also like everyone's sweet baby angel of yeah. the Academy. Yeah. There was the point when Luke, they found Luke on the coma in, in the coma on the roof. <laughs> and Tion's like, we should put him in the Great Hall. And Corrin Horn's like, that's kind of macabre. It's like he's lying in state, like he's dead. And Tion's like, oh, I just thought that he'd like to be able to hear it when we're all like hanging out yeah. at Camp Soysar. It's just like, that's a great idea, Tion. Yeah, like, he loves listening Good job, to your music sweetheart. so much. Yeah. <laughs> like you should, you should sing a song to him. I want the t- I want a, a Tion book where it's like between Jedi Academy trilogy and the Young Jedi Knights, where she like comes into her own and is like, "I am running this academy." Like, <laughs> yeah, because in Young Jedi Knights, Tion is the only one who has it together. Yeah, like, she is not. Everyone needs to stop condescending to Tion. Yeah, she's there got is, it. Because like, there is a rock underneath that squishy yeah. exterior. Just because like, she shows her emotions doesn't mean she's weak. Like, she no. <laughs> has got this. Like, Tion has more competence yeah, the dedication anyone. within her <laughs> than anyone else. Like, she can see a project through in a way yeah. that no one in these books. Yeah, team Tion all the way. <laughs> yeah, like, everyone... Get up off Tion's grove. Yeah, she she's fine. Has, she can she handle it. She knows what she's doing. 
Like, yeah. Let Tion be Tion. Yeah. <laughs> Just give her space to be Tion. <laughs> let Tion fly. Like, yeah. Take these broken wings <laughs> and start to fly again. Yeah. Stop dragging her down <laughs> in a cage. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, but Corin even wants—he wants Mara Jade to open up to him. Yeah. He keeps trying to get all of these women to be like vulnerable and open to him. Yeah. There's a lot of eye rolling happening them. in this podcast. <laughs> 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 That was one part of the Cornhorn character I was not yeah. super into. I did really appreciate, even though I skimmed over it completely, I liked that all the nuts and bolts of how the space battles worked were in there. Yes. Like, I appreciated the amount of effort and thought. Yeah. It made me definitely feel like he had done research on, like, fighter pilots. Yeah, it felt well thought out. and Like that culture. And I just sort of feel like a lot of that nuts and bolts of how things work have been were missing from Jedi Academy trilogy. Yeah. And so Yeah. I, yeah, I mean there was I no they sense were boring and I didn't read them, but I yeah. kind of liked the Yeah, I definitely were there. skimmed over them and it did give a sense of like groundedness and something yeah, that was very missing in Jedi Academy. Trilogy. Maybe we should I guess before too long maybe we should read the Corellian trilogy because yes. we're getting these little like glimpses of Corellia. I was confused. <laughs> I was confused too. Yeah, we should do, maybe after Thrawn trilogy, we should do the next trilogy we do is Corellian trilogy, oh, yeah. which I did read. I we learn there's so much talk about Corellia and Corellians. Yeah, Corellian culture seems to be a big thing in this book, and so Corellia is sort of a police state at this yeah. point, it seems like, and uh, it's very strict about who's allowed on and off of right. Corellia. It seems like they're not a part of the New Republic. But then there's also all of these sort of, like, references to jokes about Corellians, and, like, you know how, like, Corellia yeah. at one point was eventually starting to feel like the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, so notorious and so distinct, and you know a Corellian as soon as you see one. Right. Yeah. Like, maybe it's because they're just, like... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of inside jokes about Corellia. Yeah, I think Corellian Trilogy is a good... Yeah, because I feel like we've spent, like, some time on Corellia in different books. It's like Hansel yeah, like Trilogy. Yeah, Trilogy, we started on Corellia. But it's a much bigger part of the expanded universe than I think I had realized. Yeah. And I mean, like, when he first gets back to Corellia, and he says, um, The past I knew here is dead. A shiver ran down my spine. Treasure Ship Row had changed in the six years I'd been away. It had always been seedy and disreputable, but the bright lights had provided a carnival veneer to the whole place. Certainly there were places good and respectful folks didn't go, except by accident, but the slight air of menace made the jaunts more memorable. The changes on Treasure Ship Row might have seemed an improvement to many. The main street had been cleaned up considerably. All the paint was fresh and graffiti was obliterated before it had time to dry. The lighting appeared less garish and the establishments were milder in tone. It had moved from being a place to being a show place, leaving it all artificial and shallow. And I read that. I was just like, is he, is this a commentary on Times Square? Like, is he yeah, writing about New it York? Yeah, like that, yeah. Yeah, like that's sort of exactly city. Times Square. Although they didn't tone down the lighting in Times Square, but right. everything else, yeah, is, seems very yeah, like a place versus a show place and that kind right. of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of like little tidbits about Crowley in this book that makes you want to sort of dive further into. And I would love to know more about his uh, actual biological grandfather and his yeah adoptive. He was, he was killed by an Anzan. <laughs> I know. I was so excited that I knew. I understood the significance of that. <laughs> I was like, oh, is it, is the assassin? Like, I guess there were other ones of those an guys. An Anzat Sith, I guess. An Anzat Sith, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, more about that. And and I did think the sort of like discussions and things that were brought up about the different ways in which people were using the Force and, like, that Jedi was not a one, you know, there wasn't one type of Jedi. There were a lot of types of Jedis and they were doing different things and focusing on different aspects of the Force. And, you know, a lot of his conversation with Luke, other than being like, I think you're making terrible mistakes. <laughs> was like about what it is to be a Jedi and and how to use the force and why and and there's a lot of really interesting descriptions of like what it feels like to use the yeah. force that we haven't like people don't typically touch that when they're writing Star Wars right. books like they just, just sort of it, say like yeah. oh he reached out with the force and he sends this and yeah. that but this guy really he really tries to describe the sensation of yeah. like opening up to the force or using the force or yeah all of that yeah, which that I found really Okay, so I have maybe a couple of questions. Okay. That... <laughs> Go Number <for> one, <laughs> why was Mirax kidnapped and put into a coma? It is 100% not clear. No idea. Couldn't tell you. No idea why Mirax is being kept. Like, Admiral Tavira s- caught Mirax doing something that she did not approve of. Yeah, and, and didn't kill her. And was like, I want to kill her. And someone said, no. Yeah, put her in a, put her in a tower. <laughs> in a tower. And I mean, they said, make some weird people with masks guard her. And I'm most severe. Said, yeah, no. I have no idea. I mean, maybe those people were like after because they if they really knew what would get Cornhorn like going is like a damsel in a tower. Literally <laughs> 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 put her in the tower, and then they like Mirax makes reference to the fact that they would periodically like wake her up from the coma to feed her. And yeah, put her back it's to just sleep. really strange. But yeah, there's so she's like infiltrating this smuggling ring, but it doesn't. It makes no sense that they would keep her. In, in a, a tower. tower. Instead of, like, holding her a ransom or... Yeah, because, like, like, they could get ransom for her, her dad. Yeah, or is, just kill her. Like... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it makes zero... Like, over two months why they're keeping her in the tower. Yeah, and I mean, it's ten weeks just at the Jedi Academy. Right, that's right. We don't know how long. Runs into Booster, goes for a ride, goes to Corellia, leaves right. Corellia, infiltrates the Invids, rises through the ranks of the, um... Survivors, yeah. Then gets transferred to the Bolts, leads the Bolts, then gets uh, tapped to be Tavira's consort, then performs a series of Jedi ghost pranks, (laughs) then rescues Mirax. Yeah. I mean, if you told me that took two years, I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. Sure. (laughs) That seems right. That makes total sense. I don't, I think in the book, maybe it's like six months. I mean, six months is what I was thinking, but that is a- It's a lot to happen in six months. If you told me it was two years, I'd be like, that makes total sense. Yeah. But I think it's shorter than that. Yeah, but like... (laughs) Yeah, so she's in a coma for God knows how long. (laughs) And they're just, like, wasting money and time keeping her fed and with, like, guards. I don't know. Yeah, and for what purpose? I don't know. I I mean, I skimmed some of this, but I don't think there's an answer. I don't... I mean, I just... (sighs) Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating because... There's so much of the story that works, and yet the sort of overarching, like, momentum of the story, which is her getting kidnapped, doesn't make a whole lot no, of sense. No, I mean, I just, the, like, we rewrite books all the time. I understand yeah. that. <laughs> I don't feel, I feel like with this book, I don't need to change, like, the structure of it too much. I just need to take things out. Out, yeah, just take them out. Like, I don't need to rewrite, I don't need to, yeah, I just need to cut this cut thing down. Yeah. 
Because I, I just feel like there are so many points. I don't know who said it, but there's that that line, that kill your darlings line. You know, like if you're a writer, you're oh yeah, to Allen kill Ginsberg, your yeah, yeah, like the things yeah. that you feel too precious about, the things that are your favorite things, right? Like, those the things need, need to go. go. You don't yeah, need them. No, not a single darling was killed. No, in this book. Again, this is close to 600 pages, and there's so much that doesn't need to be in here. Oh there's a God. lot of like popping in of characters that I guess are maybe from like X-Wing books. Yeah, or just like characters that they thought would be good because I'm flipping back through my notes and now I'm seeing, remember, seeing this guy Kiwi who sort of like helped him co-pilot and was like kind of annoying and precious. Yeah. I just like, thought of this character and kept it just to have him, but he wasn't worth the time we spent with him. In between the sort of moments of kind of introspection and like interesting conversations with Luke there's a lot of description of things that, especially because we already read the Jedi Academy trilogy, like, don't need to be there. Yeah, and then by the time I got to the pirate stuff, which would potentially be more interesting, I was kind of tired. Oh, yeah, I was done. <laughs> I was like, and, like, I read this one so much more slowly than I usually read. Yeah, I did, too. It took me a couple days, and usually I read them in, like, a day. <laughs> I usually read them in a day, maybe, like, maybe two, and I started this book... This was like a four-day book yeah, for me. Yeah, this is a I read this at a completely yeah. reasonable pace, and I still was so... Yeah. And yeah, it's not like, that it's bad, it's just No, it's so not bad, yeah. Abusively meandering. Like, it's yeah. so unfocused. Yeah. I mean, this could and have been... you don't even need Mirax to have gotten kidnapped at all. No. He could just be... Trying to infiltrate the invids to take down Admiral Tavira. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that goes back. It could all be exactly the same. It, it goes back to our critique of him and his relationship to women, I think. And then they keep going on and on after Mirax actually shows up. Um, Which is like 20 pages from the end. <laughs> yeah. Like how she's so much like Mara Jade and she's so yeah. great and she's so much like Mara Jade. And it just feels to me like. Again, like a, Mary sort of Mara Jane. <laughs> like, like a fan fiction move where it's like, yeah, like this awesome cool character who everybody yeah. loves, this character who is in, is married to my character is just like that. Like, right. she's amazing. Yeah. Um, that's he talks that way about Leia, too. Like, yeah. How, like, he says it one, or, you know, in his in her monologue says, like, oh, when she married Han, like, every, you know, every man in the New Republic's heart just, like, fell on the floor into a million pieces. Like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Yeah, like, get over Stop it. Stop assuming that everyone is like you, Corn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't uh-uh. call Leia my lady. Love yeah, it. do not call Leia <laughs> <laughs> Stop giving ladies nicknames. Yeah, like, none of that. Yeah, let's not do none that. None of that. And I also feel like there's so many things in here that I recognize from other places. Yeah. Like the part where um, they're at the bar and he does all the Corellian jokes. Yeah. To the guy he's like, oh, you can't think of anything good to insult me with. And then he like rattles. It's the movie Roxanne, right? It's yeah. Like- yeah. Oh my god, it's totally right. Steve Martin gets everybody on his side doing the big nose jokes. Like it's exactly that right, yeah. moment. But that's not to say that it's not creative or enjoyable because I will say I love the way that they curse and by the emperor all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So like by the emperor's dark heart or by yeah. the emperor's black bones. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah by really... the emperor's dark soul or whatever. I love that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean and there aren't a whole lot of 
like callbacks to original trilogy. Like, no, very get different. none of that. Other they they talk about not telling Corellians the odds. Yeah, like it's a that's thing. True. I guess maybe it is a thing. I guess maybe we just have to accept. <laughs> That this it's weird moment. Han said once in aggravation, it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural Corellian thing. Corellians don't trust statistics. Corellians <laughs> don't understand numbers. They try to tell Corellian the odds. They get all confused and agitated because he, that's one of the jokes he makes at the bar. And then later on, uh, Luke says something like, oh, I should have known better than to try to cr- tell a Corellian the odds. It was like, yeah. they weren't even there. Of course, we know from Jedi Academy that Han brings it up. Yeah. Minimum 15 times a week. Yeah, maybe. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just a thing. I'm not okay with it being. No, I'm not. I, I mean, I'm not, but. It has to, I'm going to have to adjust to this world where it's not something that Han said once in anger. It's right. a cultural movement cultural to movement, abolish yeah. numbers on numbers. Corellia. They just really hate statistics. They didn't want to take statistics in high school. Like, they were just... <laughs> you try to explain a standard deviation to a Corellian. Yeah. They just <laughs> walk <run> away. Screaming. <laughs> Never tell me the odds. <laughs> I don't think there's a way we can comprehensively and thoroughly go through this book. Because no. it is... It is flummoxing. This book left me flummoxed. Yeah. I, I was going into it very optimistic that it would be something really different and... And it started very strong. Right. And in some ways it is. 80 to 100 pages. Yeah. Great. Um, There were some really strong, like, chapters and sections. It has 49 chapters and an epilogue. Yeah. Um, And some of those were great. And some of those were were not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit, I mean, I'm flummoxed for a number of reasons. In terms of, like, the bigger picture, I don't know what this book does. Like, I don't know, like, Jedi Academy trilogy, we have a lot of issues with it. But I get that, like, we need to see Luke establish the Jedi Academy. Like, it has to happen, right? Like, even if that book didn't have, like, an overarching theme, I get why those series of books sort of needs to be here. I get why it's a touchstone. And it gives us a lot about, like, how the universe works. Even if the way that it works is nonsense. doesn't make sense. It's still, (laughs) we still, like, get some insights into how it goes. But this doesn't give us that. This just, if anything, just kind of like troubles that right. and, and undercuts it. If, again, we're rewriting the book, I think if it focused on him as a character and his journey and didn't spend so much time, it sort of is doing both of the things that we tend to critique these books for, right? It is both making the world bigger and smaller at the same time. <laughs> and it doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah. Right, it doesn't know if it wants to be this like, which I think initially it does want to be this sort of like you know, um, very focused examination of one character that we did not see going through a very difficult time, and in some levels it does work like that. But then it also wants to be like, but also this character is like the most important character and like is doing these like huge things and is influencing the grander plot. Like if it was just about him and he was just like. Uh, you know, he was doing fine as a Jedi Knight, like he wasn't, you know, and but still dealing with his own inner emotions and his troubles and didn't focus so much on the larger story. I think it would have been more interesting. Yeah, I think that it's a problem in these novels when authors are like too afraid to stray yeah. 
right. of what's like perceived to be the core plot. And I think like the further you can get away from that mess, yes, the better, the better. you are. Yeah, like if this guy spent like a day at the Jedi Academy trilogy and was like, you know what, this is not for me, see ya, and then was sort of off trying to find his, you know, relationship with the Force and figure out who he is as a person completely away from Luke, I think that would have been fine. Like, and I would have been interested in that. Like, I don't think you need to tie it so tightly to this. Yeah, like, instead of Jedi Academy, we had had him, like, doing a more thorough exploration of his grandfather's journal. Yeah. Part of it at one point. Yeah, and that was so interesting. That's a more interesting. Yeah, and maybe he call or he can't call Luke because there's no phones. He like writes Luke a telegram. (laughs) You have to physically go. Writes a telegram, gives it to Wedge Antilles. Wedge physically (laughs) drives it to Luke. Yeah, so there were like touchstones with what's happening in the larger plot, but like it's its own complete story away from that. I think it would have been more. I feel like a lot. I. I mean, I think that the time we read this was perfect for us, yes, but I feel us. like this, I, I feel like there's an assumption here that you've that read you not, yeah. all of the X-Wing, all right. the Rogue Squadron books, the Jedi Academy book, that you loved it all, and that, like, the only question in your heart is, like, what would my favorite member of Rogue yeah. Squadron have Be to doing. say about this Jedi Academy? Right. And Which is not a terrible jumping off point, it's just... We spend too much time. No, but for 300 pages. Yeah, literally. Literally 300 pages. Yeah. Corner me like, I'm not, I don't think this is a good idea. And he's right. It's not yeah. a good idea, but he's also incredibly self-indulgent about it. Right. Yeah. He like won't leave because he wants to like sh- see how right he is <laughs> as yeah. it all comes crumbling down. <laughs> and just like make look. I think that he, he just, he's like, I'll leave as soon as I make Luke cry. Like I'm not yeah. leaving until I can make Luke cry. And I want to say, like, Corn, you made Luke cry day one. Like, <laughs> yeah. Luke was going to take his 50th nap for the day, and he was crying. <laughs> yeah, like, he also talks about Jedi sleep in this book again a couple times. Yeah. Really obsessed with sleep. And he's even, like, better at lightsaber fighting than Luke. Like, he has a lightsaber fight. Oh, yeah. He's and, better like, than everybody. Corn like, <laughs> Horn is just a little... Just a little bit yeah. of a Mary Sue. He's yeah. A too <laughs> much. He's a bit yeah, of he, Mary Sue. He's, he's, yeah, we need a word for that when that's a guy character, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> he just comes in and everyone loves him and he's better than everybody else. It's just and... a Murphy Steve. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Murphy Steve. We're going to coin that and that's going to be yeah. a thing. <laughs> this is a Murphy Steve stomping through yeah. these books. But again, like you said, like this is not a bad book and there were parts of it that I really liked and yeah, passages and that were great. A lot of the stuff about like considering what it means to use the force and what it means to be evil and like lots of stuff was really good, but yes, it just didn't quite add up to a functional novel. Yeah, it's like it had like all kinds of foods that I liked, but when you melted them together, right? Just like I'm not sure that that's gonna work. Yeah, and I do think like, and this seems I know we're harping on this, and it seems like something very simple, but I think practically as a expanded universe book, like it's too long. Like it just <sighs> it's too long. It's way too long. It's 572 pages. And, like, I can read a long book. I did read this one, but... Yeah, not, yeah, I can read a long book. I'm fine with reading long books. The Harry Potter but, like, books, this, again, this book long. didn't hold me for the whole length. Right. There this were sections of it like, that did. This book felt like an endurance test. Yeah, it did. Um, and I think that's a detriment to it. 
So I guess we're gonna need to stop. Cause <laughs> yeah, we we can, uh, as always we can keep going. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but we won't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's things that could be said, but like, yeah, just I think we've hit the the, the main points. Yeah, hit the main points, but it won't be the last we see of this character. So yeah, we'll get to see Corin again. So a we'll bunch see, of times. So we'll see, see what, what happens. happens. And yeah. next, I'm. A- so excited. <laughs> the next one we're reading is The Crystal Star, which it's I mentioned time. the very first episode of this podcast because did. it is seared in my memory. Um, there's an article, and I guess maybe we'll link it to next week's episode, but when I, like, we first started doing this and we sort of fell down, like, Google holes, just, like, Googling stuff about Expanded Universe, I found an article that argued why Crystal Star is the worst Star Wars Expanded <laughs> Universe book. But they did say the Jedi Academy was, like, the second worst. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but the cover... So this is written by Vonda and McIntyre. Um, and I don't know that she wrote anything else for the Star Wars universe um, other than this. But it's uh, it takes place, I guess, around the same time as the Jedi Academy trilogy, maybe a couple years late. I think probably a couple years later. I, I think, think it's Anakin, a couple years after, yeah. Anakin is a toddler at this point. Anakin Solo. Um, and the cover has Luke looking grim. But kind of like doing a Peter Pan Yeah, it's like a, yeah, like a adventure hero pose. And we have Chewie, Han, and Leia. And there's like a dark figure in the background. And like a swirly yeah. cloud formation in the back. Um, I would say buckle up from the very few things I remember. Of this book. I'm very excited. All I know about this book is like the one paragraph yeah. um, overview of it that was in a Jedi Academy book when yeah, one of the Lisa. characters showed up, and I was just like, "That's insane!" Yeah. So yeah, Lisa. It was it was staggeringly insane. Yeah. In a whole book, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I I remember really liking this book. I think because it it. it features the uh, solo kids a lot, but um, we'll see what happens. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> I don't know. I've not read it since. And, uh, but we'll be back with that next week. So yeah. See you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you would like more information, please check out our website, adolescenceafteralderon.wordpress.com for show notes and info about upcoming episodes. We're also on Twitter, after underscore Alderaan. We're on Instagram, Adolescence After Alderaan. And if you would like to touch base with us, ask questions, participate in the conversation, you can email us at adolescenceafteralderaan at gmail.com. Thanks so much. 